0: is Testimonies of Life and Related Stories, the podcast. We look forward to you being with us as we recount stories of conversion and life experiences as told by those who were there. We got Dee in the room and, and with the current landscape, I would normally do this in person, face to face, but I, it feels like I know you already, Dee, because I've watched... Yeah your transformation uh, YouTube clip, which I recommend anyone listening to this to get on to YouTube. You should be able to somehow search in there and find transformations and find Dee and Daz's story and some of what their their purpose and mission is. But getting to this point has been a bit of a journey, Dee, and, you know, I know you're going to talk us through it, so I'll give you the microphone and you can Mm -hmm. fill us in on, on... the the history that led you to a, a life changing experience and where you are now. Run with it, Dee. It's yep. all yours.
1: Alrighty. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm from a small town in New South Wales called Blaney. I'm the second born child to my parents, who had three girls between them. My dad was already an alcoholic by the time I was born. And he was very well known in our town for being the local drug dealer. Selling weed and anything, basically. Mum and dad used to always fight a lot, and dad's alcohol use soon turned into abuse against my mum. I remember many times having to run away from dad after he'd just assaulted mum, hiding at neighbours' houses or hiding at my grandparents' house, trying to clean mum up after she'd had a hiding from dad. I was scared of my dad, and although I did love him, I was still on edge when he was drinking and I dreaded what could happen once he was drunk. I couldn't understand why she'd always go back to him after he would abuse her, but she loved him. Dad was in and out of jail a lot while I grew up. I was actually relieved when he would go back to jail. It would give mum and my two sisters time for us to feel normal. We spent many weekends in the jail, and it was like growing up in the system. It was all I knew and considered it to be normal. When I was 10, mum and dad separated um, after dad had an affair with my stepmom, uh, Leslie, and that really broke mum. And I watched her heartbreak for a long time. Dad moved on very quickly with my stepmom. Um, and she already had a daughter named Kylie, who became my stepsister. Dad married Leslie, and soon they had a baby boy, and his name was Brody. Very soon after that, a little girl named Adriana, who was a stillborn. And that was really hard for Dad and Leslie to cope with. Very, very sad for our family. By this stage, Dad was off the alcohol, but he had moved on to taking harder drugs, um, having speed on a daily basis and also selling it to fund his habits. We would spend every other weekend at Dad's house. Mum was doing her best as a single mum to give us everything we needed. And sometimes we did do it hard, but we never really went without because of her. She always made things happen. She met a man uh, named Jake, who became my stepdad. He was so cool. He was a singer in a band, and I loved to sing. So we had a great connection straight away. He had a house out on a farm, and we used to go stay there, and I felt safe out there with him. Our home got broken into, and we lost basically everything. When um, we felt very unsafe there. So Jake had suggested that we move um, out onto the farm and live with him. So we did. He had roommates at the time, so my older sister and I lived in a caravan in the backyard, which I thought was pretty cool. While on visits uh, at my dad's house, I started to steal his weed and started smoking it at about age 11. Um, and I liked the way it made me feel. My older sister, Christy, used to smoke it, and so we started doing it together. Mum and Jake soon fell pregnant with my little brother, Daniel. I was really happy that mum was having a baby, and she seemed really happy, which made me happy. My stepdad started working away. Um, So mum used to go and visit him on the weekends. So I stayed with my sister, Christy, who had a boyfriend that used to come over while mum was away. And they used to drink alcohol uh, when they came over, so I started to drink with them. And I also smoked cigarettes and weed at this stage, and I was only 11. As time went on, my addiction grew and I used to sneak off and get high all the time whenever I could steal the drugs, which they weren't very hard to find. I remember getting high before school and I started drinking alcohol with friends from school on the weekends. And we'd go I'd, when I'd go into town. When I was 15, I moved in with dad and he had got busted for selling speed and was awaiting trial. Uh, that year, my addiction grew substantially. I started smoking it with Dad, and he didn't really like it, but I did it anyway, and it just became something that was normal. When I was 16, I moved in with my older sister, and I changed schools and had friends who all smoked weed and drank alcohol, so that's just what I did. By now, I was addicted to cigarettes, weed, and also drinking whenever I could. While living with my sister, I met my husband, Daryl, who was friends with my sister's boyfriend, Jason. Daz was a lot older than me, seven years older, in fact. And Daryl and I were friends for a very long time before we became a couple. Uh, We used to get high together, smoking lots of weed. Daryl was just beautiful to me, and there was just something about him that I was drawn to. And as our friendship grew, I found out that he loved God. Um, And he was not ashamed to share that with others. I was not religious. My pop used to take me to church as a kid, and my mum was a Catholic. Um, she went to a Catholic school. So I did know a little bit about God, but um, I never really had a relationship with him. Daz started taking me to church, and I used to feel so good after. Just build up my week and, I don't know, just give me this feeling after I'd go. We'd have, we'd have a really good day. and it'd join into the week, we'd have a really good week. Uh, he took me to a concert once in Sydney. And it was so packed with hundreds of people. Like, they were all worshipping God and it was amazing. It was so amazing. And that night, like, I gave my heart to the Lord and I really felt like God has had his hand on my life um, ever since that night. But I was also convicted with wanting to still live my life on drugs and get high. Um, Daz and I got together as boyfriend and girlfriend when I was 16 and I dropped out of school. And halfway through year 11, um, because halfway through year 11, I found out I was pregnant. I was determined to stay off drugs and have a healthy baby, so I quit everything. And I had a beautiful baby girl named Aaliyah. She was my life. I had her when I was 17, almost 18. And Daz had asked me to marry him at this stage, and, of course, I said yes. We got married when I was 19. And it was a small wedding, but it was perfect for us because it was all about us. And soon afterwards, I started smoking weed again and started taking speed every now and again on nights out or to clean the house. It was like it gives you energy, so that's why I used it. Didn't really see anything wrong with it because, I mean, everybody else around me was doing it, so it was no big deal. And by this time, Dad had been sentenced And did his time and got out of jail just in time to meet Aaliyah. Before dad went to jail, he and Leslie had fallen pregnant. And while he was in jail, my little sister Angel was born. And while dad was in jail, he and Leslie got divorced. When dad got out, he continued to sell speed and weed. And I used to get my drugs from him. We all did. He was the main dealer in town and, I mean, it was all Dad knew. So I did understand how he just fell right back into doing it when he'd get out of jail. It was the only thing he ever knew how to do. Um, And at this stage, Dad and I had a great relationship. I loved him so much and just thought that my family was normal um, doing everything we did. I didn't know any different. I never had, you know, anything to compare my family with because we were all the same. Um, we all sold drugs and we all took drugs and we didn't really have to pay for them if we sold them. So that's why we did it. Daz and I would go to church on and off and we loved God, but still wanted to live in the way of the world. And it was exhausting at times. We could have had a good life if we stay off drugs, but everyone around us was on it. So it just made it made it so hard. Dad got busted again when I was 20 and went straight to jail. And we were all a mess at this time not just because he was our dad, but also because he was our supplier. Um, Daz and I took on my little brother Brody, who was struggling without dad, so Brody came to live with us, and I found out I was pregnant with another baby. So I got clean and focused on that and had a little boy named Jack. After having a difficult pregnancy with Jack and almost dying having him, I started having panic attacks, and I didn't understand what was happening to me, so that led me into, like, a depression. So. It was a very hard time for me. I started taking drugs again after having Jack. Um, And also after I had a C-section, after I had Jack, they gave me some pills, some pain meds for recovery. Um, And then I found codeine, which I started to abuse. Um, And I was taking it like every day and could get it easily from the chemist. I also started smoking weed again and speed every now and again. And I also doubled in dexamphetamines. I had a scare after taking too many of them and had a huge panic attack, which took me to hospital. So I stopped taking anything for a few years. But then I started up again and used every now and again. I now was 27 and found out I was pregnant again. So I stopped everything and had a healthy baby girl. We named her Callie. Daz was drinking a lot at this stage, and I was back on the weed and We were selling it and our marriage was really not in a good place and we were struggling hard. We had been for a long time, years, Um, and eventually Dad's given to uh, temptation and cheated on me with a close friend. I was shattered and so broken. The man that I believed was sent to me by God to save me could ever hurt me like that. It was hard. I wanted revenge and in turn cheated on him with a married man who was a close friend of his. And after I'd done that, I felt so sick, and I knew Daz and I were done. I packed up the kids, and I left. I moved into town and got a house just down the road from my sister. I was done with Daz, done with God, done with everything that had any ties with Daz. He chose to start getting right back into church and getting help for himself. He got diagnosed with bipolar, and he was a bit of a mess. He actually had a grey shade and complexion. He was really skinny. It was it was really, really hard for him. I had the kids full time and he would have them when he could. Daz and I at a party a few months before we separated and the people there were doing ice and introduced us to it. So we did it and I liked the way it made me feel. Fast forward to a year into the separation, Daz was now doing really good, much better in life and was back at church. Going hard for God. I was going downhill fast selling weed and taking speed and then got reintroduced to ice and started using it and selling it to fund my habit and then I got raided by the police and that's when my record started. dad got word of this happening and after having a visitation with the kids, he kept them. I went to pick them up and I was high on ice. We had a huge altercation and I ended up getting charged with assault and there was an AVO put on me so I couldn't. I couldn't go to the house. I couldn't go near Daz or the kids. Dad's ended up getting custody of the kids, um, which is when I attempted suicide with some sleeping tablets and that was a really hard time. I got kicked out of my house and I was homeless, so just couch surfing and um, having the kids at family's houses when I, when I was allowed to see them. And this went on for almost two years. And in that time, I kept selling ice to fund my habit I was a completely changed person, like my appearance, my mind, my soul. Everything about me was completely different, like I was a shell of the person that I once was. I hated my life. I had a number of different partners that just used me for drugs and I just had no self-worth anymore. I watched many people around me lose their kids and literally everything they owned because of ice. I funded a lot of crime in my town, buying mass amounts of stolen goods and. I lost a close friend to suicide. He killed himself at our home that we had moved into together. That was a really hard time for me. He was a really, really good guy, good dad, and just fell into addiction and and it took him. It took his life. I needed to test clean for six weeks straight to get custody half-half with Daz, but even for my kids, I couldn't get clean. And then the day after my 31st birthday in 2015, I got arrested. And I went straight to jail. There were seven of us all up that got in trouble that day and three of them were my siblings, one being my little brother Brody, The others were Kylie and Christy. We were all dealers and we were all in addiction. Three of us out of seven got sent to jail that day. Going to jail, I had never felt so afraid or alone in my life. This was definitely rock bottom for me. I was 27 days into my sentence. And I had to humble myself before the Lord and ask him to forgive me for everything that I had done and to start walking with me because I just knew that I couldn't do this walk alone. It was the very next day um, a prison guard gave me a Bible. It was a prison Bible, so it was a little bit different to a normal Bible but basically the same. And in it there were little passages that said, you know, if you're scared, read here. If you're lonely, read here. If you're hurt, read here. So I began to read. I um, started to read the Bible every chance I got and felt that God was really helping me and loving me. I came into contact with so many other women who were feeling the same way as me and I felt led that God was prompting, prompting me to, to give my Bible away to these women, to these people. So I did. And every time I gave my Bible away, I kept getting given another one. Um, it kind of became my thing in jail. It was like God was turning me from, from dope dealer to hope dealer whilst I was in the system. It was it was amazing. My dad and I had had a falling out before I went to jail, but as soon as I went into the system, we reconnected. And he ended up being my biggest supporter and has been ever since. Uh, dad had been clean off all drugs since his last sentence in 2004. Uh, dad was always putting money in my account like every weekend and visited me whenever he could. Daryl and I had started talking again. It was about six months into my sentence that I called him up and apologised for everything that I put him and the kids through because without Daz I know that my kids could have possibly ended up in the system or anywhere really if he had gone on, you know, down the same road as what I went down. So I really just had to thank him for everything, um, which was hard for me to do because I had hated him so much for taking them in the first place and not realising that, you know what i was doing was potentially hurting the kids um so i blamed him for a lot and i just i had come off the drugs and i just had i stopped doing that um so i asked him to come visit me so we could talk about possibly getting back together giving our marriage one last chance we always loved each other that never changed throughout everything so we decided if we would put god at the head of our family it would trickle down so that um you know our family would have a stronger chance of being restored and um, give our love another go. So nine months into the sentence, my sentence, Stas decided it would be best for him and our family to move away from the area that I had done my crime in and away from people that, you know, could possibly uh, get me back on the drugs or reasons to start up using again. So we wanted to have a fresh start. So we got our home ready to rent out and... um, he moved to Queensland, and it was the best decision he ever made for us and our family. He found us an awesome church at Christians uh, Springfield Christian Family. Um, I started a Bible study while I was in jail. I uh, went to church prison service every Sunday that I could go. I even uh, started a prayer corner in my cell after watching a movie, and um, in there they had a prayer closet. So I, I started a prayer corner, um, and I I thought that that was, it was really good to do that. Um, I wrote down all my prayers um, every day for so, so long, every chance I could. And, you know, I've even looked back on that book and noticed a lot of, a lot of prayers and they were answered, you know. So I found that really beautiful. Um, I mean, I knew God was always walking with me throughout my sentence because I could never have done it alone. Um, I sat on remand for my whole sentence. So by the time I got sentenced, I had eight days to go. I got three years all up, so I did 18 months in jail and then I did 18 months on parole. When I got released, I came straight up to Queensland. I fell pregnant within the first month of being released and had a baby girl named Charlie. We call her our rainbow baby. She's our rainbow after the storm. We started going to church every Sunday and got close to our church family, which was big for me because I never really wanted to talk Um, to anyone, you know, at the start of being released. I was just a bit ashamed. So, But now I'm really close to my church family, which is beautiful. My relationship grew strong during my sentence, and I felt led to give back. Daryl had been given a vision from God to open up a rehab centre in our area and was put in the pathway of a man named Mike Barrett who runs Christian rehabs all over Australia. It's called Transformations. So we decided to do some research and felt that this was something we could get on board with. It's been years in the making now. It's not just something that, you know, we thought about yesterday and started up today. So I think it will be the start of next year that we will be ready to launch, Um, and now we're, you know, making this vision a reality. We've got the house that we want to use for the rehab. Uh, It will be an all-males house at the start. So we're living in the um, the house at the moment, but as soon as we start up, we'll move out and the boys will move in. Um, yeah, so our church family are definitely on board and are helping us with everything to do with the rehab. Daz and I are also doing an internship through our church. It runs for a year, and they call it the Year of Growth, and that's exactly what it's been for me. We also run a life group at home once a week, so that's been really awesome as well. It's just that fill-up in between um, Sunday services. So we do um, fellowship and um, a little study, a small study with dinner and stuff on a Wednesday night, so that's, that's really awesome. I've been clean now from all drugs for almost six years, and I know that I could never have done any of it without God in my life. God has saved me and is always showing up for me, always showing up for me. So I'm going to keep showing up for him. My life is 100% renewed and restored. My brother Brody ended up coming to live with us just before I got out of jail. So he moved in before I got out. Um, And, you know, God's also saved him and he's about to have a baby. So that's really exciting. I don't know what the future holds for me and my family, but I do know that with God, with us, who could possibly ever be against us? I just want to see families restored um, through God as
0: this is what has happened to me. Thanks. Yeah, um, amen, D. I'm just going to talk briefly and make some comments and, you know, you can comment back. But mm-hmm. one thing for certain through that story which really touches my heart, Dee, is that God is a God of restoration.
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, I just never, you know, in addiction could have seen – the future that he had for me waiting, you know. Um, It was something I could just, I could never fathom that. Um, Whilst I was in addiction, even even being in prison, I could never have imagined the life that he had waiting out here for me. Um, Yeah, so uh, the restoration of everything. My family's been restored tenfold. Like, it's, like, I can't even explain how much better it is than it was before, you know. So it's massive for me, the restoration
0: of everything. Yeah, well, he's restored, you know, your life from that that life of drugs and all that haze that goes with that. He's brought your marriage back together. Um, I mean, you have uh, Charlie, uh, your rainbow baby, and as you say, you also have your brother and others journeying with you and, and the whole family's back together. Who would, yep. you know, who would fathom that? Who I mean, how does that happen if it's not by, uh, you know, the, the loving, caring God that we know?
1: Never have imagined that Daz and I would have ever got back together. There was so many hurts and so many things that went on during our separation and stuff that I just thought would never be able to mend. Like, I just thought this it's way too broken. But, yeah, I mean, we I really honestly, it has to be God because it's <laughs> There's no other explanation for it. I don't think you could have been through what we've been through, restore it, um, restore everything without without God being in it. There's no way.
0: Yeah, well, that, I mean, you, talk, you touch on something very critical for all of us, which is forgiveness. I mean, you know, and, and then the healing of all those hurts, that, that has
1: to be gone our Father. Yeah, like it's huge. The forgiveness, like forgiveness for me was something, um, I struggled with for so long, so long. And, um, I I do remember there being a period of time in jail. I had to work on that. That was huge for me. Um, I had to forgive a lot of hurts and, um, I had to forgive Daz for a lot of things, uh, which I found really hard. But once I did it, I felt the release of, um, everything that I'd been holding, you know what I mean? So, I mean, definitely don't hold on to grudges or hold on to hate. Um, I mean, if you can find that forgiveness in anything, man, it just you feel so much freer. I mean, it's it's, so, it's exhausting to unforgive people. It's mm. literally. Um, so, if you can find that forgiveness and and and, and forgive people, man, your life the life's so much freed up. It's freed up so more, so much more. You know, so much better.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, you make a true point. It's not easy to do. You have to sometimes then either revisit, and and it raises emotions or other things that stir up inside or other stresses. But if you can Mm. find that point, which is so critical, to accept the forgiveness of God our Father, but then to then relay that or or convey that forgiveness to others. Yeah. Yes, huge it is a mountain but i think the lord says you know if you if you have faith you can even shift those mountains so he's not talking about shifting mount kosciuszko into the tasman sea he's talking about these sorts of things and he yeah. can, he can do it and it's also steps from us of course as you say you had to go into some you know, would you call it the not the prayer closet but you had the corner of your cell where you used to go and sit with
1: the lord yes my prayer corner had a little stool there and I had like little shrines set up <laughs> yeah. and that was my call, you know, um, and I'd sit on my stool and I'd rock out my prayers. And as I said, you know, I've gone back over them and a lot of them have been answered. So, you know, that's been really amazing.
0: And I mean, that is, that is also so encouraging because, you know, if we pray simple, accurate, but heartfelt prayers, and I'm I'm thinking of a psalm here. It says, who can ascend to the mountain of God? Those with a pure heart and clean hands. Now, obviously none of us have that, but what that actually means in translation is just being open and honest before the Lord. So you can then, you know, you just need to bear all and then he can take us up the mountain. Yeah,
1: 100%. And having a pure heart will help that. Um, You know, and a pure mind as well. now I feel that, you know, obviously being off drugs and stuff like that, I feel a lot more, (laughs) a lot more pure and clearer than I ever was before. I mean, I could go to church and be on drugs, you know, and worship God and I really didn't feel, it didn't feel the same as what it did when I was off drugs, you know? So having that pure heart and that pure mind for God is um, something that's really beautiful.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, you can believe in God in those situations, that yeah, you were talking 100%. about, you certainly yeah. know that God is real, for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. But then it's it seems to be then a, a constant battle where you're quenching the Holy Spirit. So, you you sort of can go so far, but then it's easy to fall back because, you know that we're in, inhibiting the ability of of the Lord to do deeper things in our life.
1: Yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. And. Look, your story Dee, is is actually I mean life is so complicated um and we get ourselves in all these complicated situations but it it's actually not that uncommon your testimony. I mean a, a lot of people have a similar journey and and are stuck in it still today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They are.
0: And and that's you know that that's part of the reason why we tell these stories is because you've been to the depths. I mean, I think of Psalm 139, I think, where it says, even though I go to the depths of the earth, you are there. The Lord has sought you out and brought you out, but he can do this not just for you. I mean, you're a special person, Dee, and you've got a special story, but the story is available for everyone's lives in in their own way. The Lord is that one that wants to visit each one of us personally.
1: Yeah, that's right. You know, I've definitely been pulled out of the enemy's camp um, forever now. It's not something I'm ever intending on going back to, you know, with God at the head of my family and the head of my life. It won't be something I'll ever go back to. So, you know, I'm just forever grateful to have been pulled out, you know, so from the pit to the palace.
0: <laughs> yeah, and those who are forgiven much um, love much. So, you know, I, I can yeah. sense that your love for the Lord and the love for for the, you know, the life that he's restored back to you, because it's not just your own life, it's those around you, because he sets us in family, so it's very important that, and, you know, that's part of God's work, to do that, to restore all that, so that's an amazing testimony. Yeah. And we know that, I mean, the Lord is as close as the air that we breathe, so even in all those times, you know, all you had to do was turn to him, and he just slowly and gently and... Then instructively, I'm sure, there was those hard times where you yeah. struggled with things, but he's walked you out.
1: Yep, every time.
0: Every time.
1: Every <laughs> Yeah.
0: He's turned your brokenness and shame, as he's done with all of us, and restored your life to everlasting yep. life. Yep. Fantastic, yes. Dee. I know that and you were saying it's your wedding anniversary today, so I don't want to hold you unnecessarily and you've got a, a you know a, a mission now and and just to remind uh those that might be able to to search on youtube for transformations and and look at Dee and does a story on there and part yeah, of the vision
1: we're, yeah we're called west side transformations so if you look up west side transformations you'll be able to find us we're having a, a website and stuff built at the moment so we'll be able to you'll be able to search us up and find us yeah
0: it, it, look, that's sensational um, short take uh, clip as well. It's very touching mm-hmm. and really support you in in what you're doing because not only has he restored your life, now you're going to give back and yeah. through the purpose of of this transformation in other people's lives.
1: Yep, that's the plan.
0: Good plan, and it's the Lord's plan, and it just is. like you, you're sowing bibles in the in the jail and and there's fruit out of that um, mm-hmm. we believe with you d and daz as well who's listening to this uh, and both of you together because uh, yeah i think in, in even in luke 10 he sent us two by two so he's given you a worthy partner there to go and sow uh, the seed yep so yep. we we you know we believe for that and we do pray that blessing on both days yourself and the wider family in the southern part of, of Queensland to see your your life continue for many years to come, Dee, no matter what the challenges are. And we have a bunch of challenges in this country and around the world at the moment with what's been going on, but we have hope in the Lord, the God, who's the creator of heaven and earth. He's the one Most that we definitely. believe. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: That's it.
0: Fantastic, Dee. Thanks for sharing your time today. I'm going to have to let you go because I know you've got stuff going on, things to do. Thank
1: you. I appreciate this opportunity. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks, Dee. And thank you for joining us. This podcast is not sponsored by any group or organisation and does not seek or promote endorsements. Our motivation is simply inspiration that you may be inspired by the spirit of the one true God, to know that the objective and narrative coexist, that the spiritual and physical are not separated, to increase in understanding and to walk in his way. Though mountains
1: fall, I'll put my trust in you. I'll put my trust in